Every Sunday at First Baptist Church, the gospel is preached in five different languages, and many of us know that, and some of you don't know that, but today you get a slice of the various presentation of the gospel from our different nations. All of us can remember where we were 15 years ago on this day, impacted our nation, impacted the world. Let's have a, a moment of silence together. Would you begin by praying for those who were directly impacted by 9-11 for God's continued comfort and grace? What a difficult weekend for them. Would you continue praying by asking God to bless our nation? Would you continue still further by asking that there would be peace among the nations on our earth? And finally, as we have seen so demonstrate today at First Baptist Church, would you pray for the spread of Christianity around the world to all peoples and every nation so there might be peace on earth? God, we ask your blessings upon our country and Yet we're reminded today that your kingdom is made up of all peoples from every nation who say yes to the lordship of Jesus. We pray as our Lord taught us to pray indeed that your kingdom would come on earth even as it is in heaven. Father, we pray for new followers of Jesus in every language that we could live together as one people here. Give us your grace and your peace and your comfort. Amen. Turn your Bibles to the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 14. God calls you home. Look at the first word of chapter 14, return. That's a powerful word, don't you think? Come back, let's have fellowship again. I miss you. Your absence is so strong that it is felt. Return. Come home, God is saying through the prophet Hosea. A Guidepost magazine article a few years ago, there's an article entitled, How to Welcome Home a Prodigal. The article is about Barbara Hammond and her daughter Dawn. Barbara says when she got that call from Dawn saying, I want to return, I want to co come home, there was that excitement, there was a, a sense of anxiety, it was all there, a mixture of feelings. She said in all the years of reading The Prodigal Son, she saw herself as a child coming back to the forgiving father, and now all of a sudden with her daughter coming home, she was called upon to be the forgiving parent. She had to forget the old fights, let go of the old grievances. 
She had to handle her resentment toward her 17-year-old Dawn for all the painful, sleepless nights she'd inflicted upon the family. In fact, the article Barbara Hamlin gives a list of pointers on how to welcome home a prodigal with open arms. Folks who've left you cold and undone and wondering inside. It's not easy to be the forgiving parent, the forgiving father. And that's who God is today in the book of Hosea. God's first word through the prophet is return. Now, Hosea is a minor prophet. Now, we don't call the minor prophets minor because they're unimportant. They are very, very important. They're simply called minor because of the length of their books in comparison to the longer prophetic books like Isaiah or Jeremiah. But the message from Hosea is not minor today. It's the 8th century B.C., the Assyrian army is pressing upon the northern kingdom of Israel. By now, it is sure that Assyria will come and overtake Israel. King Hoshea is the last king on the throne. He had been playing a dangerous game of duality by making alliances with the Assyrians on the one hand and with Egypt on the other side without letting the other nation know what he was doing. And now he had been caught. And now the downfall was sure. Part of their problem, and the fall finally happened in 722 B.C., part of the problem was they accepted the Canaanite culture that included the worshiping of idols, and they were worshiping the gods of the other nations, and it was causing difficulty. Well, I want you to notice three things this morning from Hosea. First of all, God calls us to return home with a repair, prayer of repentance. God calls us to return home with a prayer of repentance. Verses 1 through 3 are actually a model prayer of how you and I can return home to God. A model prayer of repentance. The call this morning is for each one of us to look at our own lives and our own need to return back to the forgiving Father because nothing can happen through us that is not happening within us. And as we ourselves return home to the Father, then and only then can we reach out and take the hand of a neighbor and ask them to travel home to God with us. The prayer of repentance. There are several parts under point. One A is this. The first part of the prayer of repentance is to accept responsibility for your own iniquity. Look at verse 1b. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. The first part of coming home to God or, or Dawn going home to her mother Barbara is to admit, like the prodigal son did, I have sinned and I am wrong and I have stumbled. God has sent repeated messengers to Israel, but she had ignored them, denied them, rebuffed them. You know, sometimes we think we can do life pretty good on our own until that crisis comes our way. And we, we are made to force face-to-face -face who we are in our unrepentant state away from God. Admit that we're the ones who have moved away from God, that we're the ones who've stumbled. 
I've told you before about the old man, the old woman who were driving together in the bench seat in the car, and in front of them at a red light was this young couple so in love, and they were, you know, they were seated on top of each other, basically, you know, like a two heads in one body. You've seen them there in the red light in front of you. Now, honey, is that a two-headed creature? I don't know. It's one body and two heads, and they were sitting there at the red light, and he's sitting over here at the steering wheel, and she's over there, and she said, isn't that sweet? Don't you remember, we used to sit like that. And the old man was quiet for a little while. He looked over and said, yes, we did. And guess who moved? <laughs> he's right there with the steering wheel where he's always been. She moved over on the bench seat. When you find yourself separated from God, guess who moved? God is who God has always been. And when you are separated by God by sin, guess who moved? You are the one that has moved. There's a, a B part to this prayer of confession. That is that we're to have an honest confession with our lips. Look at verse 2. Take your words with you and return to the Lord. Have you ever met someone who can't, can say, I'm sorry? She could not say, I'm wrong. They began to restore the relationship maybe by calling more but never bringing it up or doing a little kind act or a deed. And they tried to restore their relationship with you without ever having to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Ever met anybody like that? That might work with your mother. It might work with your spouse. It might work with your sibling, but it will not work with God. God says, I want you to bring the words of your mouth. I want you, notice verse 2, take the words with you and return to the Lord. He had already had their sacrifices. We learn in chapter 5 and verse 6, they had brought so many sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and God didn't want the sacrifices of their animals. God wanted the confession of their lips. He wanted the utterance of their mouth that we are wrong and we have stumbled. Look what it says in verse 2. Say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we again say our God to the work of our hands. For in you the orphan finds mercy. What he's saying in verse 2 is this. Say to God, take away our sins and receive us graciously. When you and I know that God will forgive and God will receive us graciously, then we can come to him and not hide our words and not hide our sins. The key to repentance is, first of all, admit that you're the one who has sinned. You have broken your relationship with God. And secondly, to come with an open mouth and a confessing tongue saying, forgive us our iniquity. One translator put it this way, receive us, O good one. We know that God is good. We know he's like the father of the prodigal son, that he looks for us and he yearns for us to return home. Offer the sacrifice of your lips. The only thing that you can bring to God this morning is the stuttered confession of a broken heart. The only thing you can bring to God is a stuttered confession of a broken heart. God, I am sorry. I am wrong. I have sinned. I have broken your commandments. David, 
whom we've studied quite a bit lately, said, God will not despise a broken and a contrite heart, Psalm 51. Paul put it this way in Romans, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you will confess with your mouth, Hosea says, bring to God the words of your confession. There's a, a third part, a C to this prayer of confession. That is, acknowledge that nothing else will do but God alone. Look at verse 3. Assyria, we've tried to make an allegiance with Syria. Assyria will not save us. No, in fact, Assyria will conquer them and deport them. No, will we ride on horses. Translation, our own armies can't save us anymore. And no longer will we worship the works, the idols that we've made with our own hands. So we come, first of all, saying the iniquity is upon us. We're the ones who've moved. And then we come with the confession of our lips, the opening of our mouths, the offering of the sacrifice of our words, that we are wrong and we have sinned. And then we realize that God alone can save us, not the idols, not others. Who or what in your life has the potential of being your false god? What in your life do you use to draw security and assurance that only God should be giving you? What is that false hope in your life, the Assyrians for the northern kingdoms or the idols made with their hands or the horses of their own army? What is it for you? Only God, he says, is good to the orphan. In 1985, Mary Lou Smith had a lot of broken relationships in her life, and she just wrote a letter on a whim to the Children's Center in Louisville, Kentucky, and asked if there was any contact information they might have by which she could find her brothers. She had been separated from her brothers by adoption since she was two years old. She really didn't expect any answer at all, but two weeks later, she got an excited phone call from Lydia Roberts, and she said, you're not going to believe this, but your brother Mickey has been looking for you for 22 years. He has used newspapers, he's hired attorneys, he's even gone on television asking you to come home and to return. You see, she discovered Mary Lou Smith all the time that she was lonely that her brothers were looking for her. Upon meeting Mickey, her brother, she concluded that somehow meeting this cheerful, bearded man returned a missing piece of herself. Just so God has been looking for you like he was looking for the northern kingdom, Israel. He was calling and looking to return like the father and the prodigal son who looks over the horizon every day hoping that the boy will come home, that the boy will return. God looked for ancient Israel and God looks for you. Here's a second big thing I want you to see. God calls you to return by promising that he stands waiting to heal the broken relationship. Look at verse 4. I will heal their apostasy. Some translations say waywardness. 
We come in verses 1 through 3, 3 with this prayer of repentance. And 4 through 8, we learn that God is willing to heal. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely if they'll confess and come home. My anger has turned away from them. You know, God's wrath is as much a part of the covenant as God's love. They're one and the same. God is a jealous God. And when we're sinful, God's wrath is part of his nature. It's the flip side of the coin of his love. And he says, I will put away my anger. I will put away my wrath. What will he be like? I will be like the dew coming off the Mediterranean that makes the plants have nourishment. My people will blossom like the lily. Their roots will go way down deep, notice, like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout, oh, like the olive tree when it's blooming. Notice the fragrance of verse 6. They will live underneath my shadow, God says. They will again raise grain. They will blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. Look at the end of verse 8. The fruit comes from me. He uses all this image of a garden or an image of plant, blossoming olive trees, vines that are growing. The tall trees that have deep roots and a sweet smell, he says, of the cedar. I will bless them. Here's a, a third thing he says. That is... God calls you to return by reminding us that his ways are right. Look at verse 9. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble in them. The third thing is, God calls us to return by reminding us that his ways are the right ways. His ways are the ways of the wise. God calls us to return. God calls us home. There was an article in U.S. Catholic some time ago entitled, Why I Don't Go to Confession. Frank Wessling was saying that when he was growing up, he was willing to go to confession. There were long lines, but now he found there weren't long lines anymore to go to confession. And really, he didn't like telling his deep, dark secrets to a stranger and someone who would probably look down on him and judge him. And he says, I don't go to confession because somehow I need something better. I don't go to confession anymore because I need something better. That something better is already available, isn't it? God, he waits. He calls us to return. And in the person of Christ Jesus, he does want the confession of our lips. We don't have to tell any man. We simply bring them to the forgiving Father who waits for us to return. Bring the sacrifice of your lips. Admit your iniquity and know that God is gracious and loving and forgiving and kind. Return. That's a good word. To the minor prophet Hosea, 
God says to Israel, and God says to me, and God says to you, come home like dawn to Barbara. Come home like the prodigal son to his father. Come home. Come home with confessing tongues and open mouths saying, I am the one in iniquity. I have broken your commandments. I have gone the wrong way. And realize, if you're willing to return, God is willing to heal like the dew that causes the olive trees to bloom. And finally, always know that God's ways are the right way, the wise way. You know, there's no record of what Israel did. Hosea got up, gave them this model prayer of confession, told them, quit bringing sacrifices of animals, but bring the sacrifices of their confession. There's no record of whether they returned or did not return after his sermon. We can't even decide that, can we? All we can decide is whether we ourselves are willing this morning upon hearing the call of the prophet to return. Are we willing to say this morning we're sinners, that we're the ones who moved, that God is the one who is forgiving and heals and confess? Yet again, his ways are right. Let us pray. Oh God, we come to you this morning given the confession of our lips that we are sinners and we need a Savior. That we are wayward and we need to find our way home. That we can come with open mouths we can bring the confession of our lips because we know you are a loving, forgiving, healing God who through Christ Jesus has sent your wrath elsewhere to the cross that we could be spared. Oh God, I pray if there's one this morning who needs to know Jesus Christ is Lord, that there could be no better day than to come today and say, I offer the confession of my lips. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And maybe they're children of God like Israel is already children of God that are wayward and need this day, this moment, this message upon which to come home. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.